Erevin Perak Aleph, Mishnah Hay, 1 5. This Mishnah is a direct continuation of the previous, and in fact, it starts out with Rabbi Huda still talking about his Shita, which was that the Korah serves as a Machita rather than as a Heker, as a partition through the mechanism of Pitikra Yord Vesosam, as opposed to a reminder as you leave the Mavoi that you're entering into the Rishosarab. And therefore, he doesn't care about how robust that actual Mechitza is, that, that the Korah. And therefore, Haisa shall kash o shall kanim, even if the Korah were made out of straw or out of a reed, which of course could not support a brick or a row of bricks, ro nosa You look at that Korah as if it were made out of metal, meaning that it's very strong. Now, most learn that this is just a figure of speech, and in fact, the strength of and the thickness of the Korah is irrelevant. However thin it is, it's fine as long as it's a tefach wide. It f- serves as a makeshift roof, a tikra, and then you have the mechanism of p tikra yor vesosim to block off as a bonfide mechitza, point of yura. There are those that learn that since he sort of almost superfluously says we look at it as if it were made out of metal, that if it indeed were made out of metal and still it's so thin that it could not support a row of bricks, then it would be insufficient. That's a minority opinion over there. However, and most learn that Rabbi Huda's sheet simply is that any thickness will do, and it's just a way of speech. The mission continues, and now we're going back, according to most Roshonim, including the Bartanura, and we're talking about even the Chachamim Shita here. Amuka, excuse me, Akuma, if the Korah is bent, it's like warped, let's say warped upwards, so it kind of looks like an arch, like a rainbow type shape, if you will. So then... Now, of course, in practice, it's not going to be very suitable for laying a row of bricks on top of it. Nevertheless, ro nasa ki pshuta, we look at it as if it were straight and flat, meaning appropriate to actually lay the bricks on. Again, the bricks themselves are not important. What's important simply is that it's sufficiently prominent and robust to look like a permanent fixture as a reminder. The Gemara asks why that would not obviously be the case, like why in the world if it war- it's warped upward, why that would somehow make it invalid now as a Korah. And therefore the Gemara says the same would be true if it weren't warped vertically, but rather were war- warped horizontally, meaning that like the part of the bulge in the Korah crosses over into the Rosh Hashanah. So now, even then, the Chacham, the Tanakam, would hold that such a Korah is kosher, per- meaning it's effective as a Heker, to allow you to carry inside the Mavui, once you have your Shitu from Mavos, etc. However, that would be true only when the distance between the two ends of the Korah that are within the Mavui, before they, it bulges out that, to beyond the Mavui, if those two ends are within three Tfachim of one another. If that's the case, look at the, the, the hole, the gap, if you will, of the bulging part as being not there, but nevertheless, to the rules of Lavud, we say anything that's within three tfach and one for the next as if it's connected so therefore we look at this kara as if it were connected from the two ends and therefore straight and totally within the mavli allowing people to carry inside the mavli agula if it is round now think of it like as a, a pole like a baseball bat and you've got the baseball bat serving as your kora something like shaped like that like you know round and long and skinny he murubat. We look at it as if it were square, meaning as long as the diameter of that cylinder, the baseball bat, 
is a tefach. So it doesn't matter that it's actually round. And of course, if it's round, you couldn't actually put bricks on it because it will right off. That's not the point, though. The point is as long as it's sufficiently large, so that's, it's going to be effective as a heker. And in the case of Rebuta, effective as a mechitza. Now the mission assessment, which is a little peculiar um, for us, it says, Any circle, in this case it's a cylinder, right? But the cross-section is still a circle, that has a hekef, a circumference of three tefachim, meaning if it's a baseball bat, so to speak, that if you took a string and you measured around the baseball bat, it's three tefachim around, yeshbo rochav tefach. Then the diameter, the distance like from one end to the other end of the baseball bat going through the middle, is going to be a tefach. Meaning, in other words, the Mishnah is saying in simple terms, as long as the circumference around the dowel or pipe or whatever round piece of wood that you're using is three tefachim, then it's sufficient to be used as a korah. It has, it's, it has the width of a tefach. That's the Mishnah says, and that will be the halacha. The halacha is indeed like that. That um, Let me sum up the halachas across the board, then I'll go back to the question about the geometry. So the halacha is, now sum up really the past three Mishnahs, we go Tanakama, you need to have a heker as opposed to a mechitza, and therefore we possibly need to be at least a tefach thick, as long as, and it must be able to support a row of bricks that would be laid on it, if there would be bricks laid on it, allowing for one quarter of a tefach, a finger's breadth overlapping on each end of it. La halacha, if the the uh, the korah is actually three, four, excuse me, four tefachim uh, wide, so then it's sufficiently large that even if it couldn't support bricks, it's still sufficient. Um, and we possibly should be a row of bricks if you're talking about just one, one tefach wide. If it's going to be bent, like akum, it's fine, as long as, like I said before, and if it's going to be um, round, like a, a cylinder, like a dowel or baseball bat type thing, it's going to be fine, provided that the circumference of the baseball bat is three tefachim around. Fine. Now let's just talk about the math for a second. So for those who are even mildly mathematically inclined, this should be interesting for you, and if not, then go to the next recording right now. Okay. Which is fine. My point is that you don't have to listen. You won't get. You won't. You won't be bothered by the mission more than that. But now, so there's a question in that an age-old question about the ratio of the circumference to the diameter of a circle. In other words, if you have a circle whose whose diameter is, let's say, one tefach, so then diameter again. Diameter definition of diameter is. It's a going from one end of the circle to the other end of the circle. You draw a line, and that line goes to the center of the circle. So if that's one tefach across, so then what is the circumference of that circle exactly? How much, if you would take a string and go around that circle, what would the length of that string be? So the mission here is saying it would be three tefachim. And in fact, that's based on, on a psukim. There's, there are two psukim in the Torah that both reference the same phenomenon and say the same same thing. Once in Devar Yam and once in Devar Yam base actually, and once in Malachim Aleph, it talks about the Yam Shel Shlomo. King Shlomo, made, King Solomon made a pool, which is like a mikvah, in the the courtyard of the base of Mikdash. And the mission, and excuse me, the, the Psukim there say, I'll read from Devar Yamim. This is a Devar Yam base. That's a Peregdalad Mishnah, excuse me, Pasuk base. So it's 4 2, Devar Yam 2. Devar Yam is Chronicles in English. So the Pusik says that 
the, that, that pool that Shlomo Melech made is Eser Ba'ama Misvaso El Svaso. It's ten Amos, not one, but ten Amos across from end to end. Agul Saviv, and it's like, it was round, perfectly round, like a, a circle. And then it goes on to say, Vikav, and the Kav, Kav means the circumference here, the line around the whole pool, Shloshim Ba'ama Yasovo So Saviv, a 30 Ama rope, so to speak, could wrap itself around the circumference, the edge of the big pool. So here again, what you're saying is the ratio is if the diameter is 1 or 10, so then the circumference is 3 or 30, same thing. Now, that's a bit of a question in as much as nowadays we know that the the ratio of the circumference to the diameter is actually um, a number that we refer to as pi. It's an exact number. Um, I shouldn't say that. I should say it's a... We have the number pi to much more precision than simply three. In fact, so that number called pi is a rather interesting number because it's what's called an irrational number. Irrational means, simply put, it means you can't write it down. Um, And what that means is there's no... It can't be expressed as a ratio of two other numbers. There's no fraction that will write it down. So most of the time, most numbers that we are familiar with, virtually every number you've ever thought about, is a rational number, meaning you could write it as a, a fraction, like the number 7, which is a 7 over 1 or 14 over 2, etc. And even um, a decimal, like you know 7.51, you could put a 751 over 1,000, etc. And even repeating decimals, like seven zero point seven five one seven five one seven five one forever, could also be expressed as a ratio of, let's say, 751 over 999, and so on. All the numbers normally can be, that we use can be expressed as the ratio of two other integers, two other whole numbers, and uh, that's not a problem. The funny thing is that pi is an irrational number, and that means there's no way to to write it down. There's no way to express it as the ratio of two other numbers. And therefore, the Rambam's approach to this mission, this conundrum in general, is that since there's no way to precisely articulate how big pi is, no way to give the exact number of how many tfachim it should be around the the Korah to constitute a diameter of one tefach. Therefore, just it rounds down, keeps things simple, and simply says three. And even though the halacha will be three, um, that will be sufficient because, and even if we're going lakula over here, because we're a little less than the, the full amount of pi, since it's a abundant anyways, it's uh, it's sufficient and it's fine, and we rely on that. And the Magad Mishnah himself also um, points out that if it would be a Dorais issue, we would actually not be lenient. We would not go with this approximation of three, but um, we would go with something bigger than pi. But since this is their abundant nature, we'll rely on the on the, this sort of rounding down to the nearest integer, and that's no problem. It should be fine. The Rama himself notes that in his time, they knew pi as an approximate number of 22 over 7, um, which already was known from the Greek times, from Archimedes proved that pi was somewhere between um, 220 over 70 and 220 over 71. So that's he, he knew it there. And that's not bad, not a bad approximation, and that's, I think, what most people um, before having calculators handy used as their approximation in, you know, in the 20th century. Now, putting that all aside, there's something a little troubling about the psukim, inasmuch as even if we'll accept that it's difficult and sort of impractical, impracticable to articulate pi better than you know a ratio of 3 to 1 for our Mishnah, back in the psukim over there, in the Yam Shel Shlomo, and actually twice, the Pesukim, both in Divrayam 
as well as in Blachim, Aleph. So you could have done a little better because you could have said it was 10 almost across and 31 almost around. That would be closer mm-hmm. because pi, like the, the actual figure for pi is approximately 3.14 and more digits after that, you know, again forever, 159, 2653, etc. So the question is why did the psukim not give a more precise, close to the nearest ama measurement? And this has been a uh, a fact that many people who want to argue against the veracity of the Torah and the Tanakh want to point out this you know this is a big problem and suggests suggests uh, not that way. So um, something very fascinating though this is really absolutely mind boggling. In the Pasuk in Divrei Yamim, when it talks about the circumference, it used the word kav, kuf, vav. In the Psukim that refer to the, the very same phenomenon, the circumference of Yom Shal Shlomo in Malachim Aleph, this is Malachim Aleph, you can look there in Perak Zayin, Pasuk Chav Gimel, it's uh, Kings, 1 Kings 7.23, verse 7.23. So it refers to the same kav circumference, but it uses there's a creek sieve, and it use, the actual way the word kav is written is kuf vav hey, even though it's pronounced kuf vav kav. And the truth is that we we read that haftorah from malachim every year. Um, it's it's read in the haftorah for Parshas Vayakel, and so every year we have this weird tradition that even though the verse says. Kava, kuvav hey, it's read as kav, with the, the hey silent. So that's called the creek siv, when you have a conflict between how the verse is written and how it's how a word is written and how it's pronounced. So the basic idea of a creek siv is that the way something is um, written is kind of like the the ideal concept, like the true reality. While as whereas when you have something that's like it's going to be articulated in a way that's not quite like how it's written, so then that's like an imperfect actualization of those concepts. So you're talking about sort of like a human perception. So here, although we have it being kuf vav hey as the kasiv, the way it's written, it's kuvav the way it's the way it's read. It's pronounced pronounced kav. And now something really remarkable. I'm sure for a very long time, no one knew why there was this creek kasiv, but the ratio between the gematria of kuf vav hey and kuf vav kuf vav hey meaning kuf is 100, vav is 6, hey is 5, that's 111, versus kuf vav, which is 106. The difference between 111 and 106 is almost precisely the difference between pi and 3. The difference is much, much, much similar than the Archimedean number, um, or the numbers you had in ancient Babylon, Egypt, Greece, India. All their approximations were nowhere near as close as the approximation that you get from this Cree Kassiv, which is absolutely fascinating, um, really mind-boggling. Just that means, for example, if you the difference if you use the Cree Kassiv, so it's just to do the math, make sure it's clear, like three multiplied by one eleven over one oh six gives you a number so close to pi that if you make a circle the size of planet Earth, so Earth has like a diameter of about seven thousand nine hundred and seventeen miles. And if you did the circumference of a circle that big, 
it would be less than one mile off. That gigantic circle that covers the whole Earth would be less than one mile off than if you used the precise number of pi. In contrast, the 22 over 7 would be 16 miles off. The Babylonian number would be 211 miles off. The Egyptian approximation, 240 miles off. Um, the Indian approximation, 263 miles off, etc. So the creek siv kav versus kavav hay is incredibly precise and mind-boggling so, and certainly suggests that the tradition was there, that there was a much more, more accurate way of, of measuring pi that Chazal were aware of, and therefore they, they required this creek sieve to exist forever, even though, for simplicity's sake, we kept it very simple and said that the circumference is 30 in the case of the Amshul Shlomo, and 3 in the case of our Mishnah, and that's sufficient to halacha lamaisa. Um, like I said before, if you have a round dowel, like a, or baseball bat, which has a circumference of three, it is indeed sufficient to be used as a as a Korah. That'd be quite a thick baseball bat, to be honest. Um, but it would be sufficient, even though it's slightly, its diameter would sli- be slightly less than a full one tefach. But halach lamais, we're being lenient here uh, because it's just a durabanan and to allow people to carry in the in the, in the Mavui. Okay.